Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I'm joined with Joe748 and our guest today, Flooster. Flooster, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm doing well. Joe748, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling a little animated today. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're about to Bad go uh, try try your luck at El Cortez. <laughs> I'm excited to hear Flooster's story. So let's hop right into it. Flooster, what what made you interested in card carrying and advantage play? Oh gosh, it goes back um, a ton. Um, way back, probably 25 years when I was a young sailor in uh, Washington State. Played blackjack on the side, just you know the two dollar tables. Actually played blackjack with Robbie Knievel one time. Oh yeah, on the peninsula there. So of course I lost, but by gosh, I found a system, and it was. Uh, you win, you double your bet. If you win again, you half win, you half double up. And you, as long as you're on a winning streak, you're good to go. And boy, I played that strategy for a lot of years. That was, you know, the all go to. And of course, with any of those, you, you lose. You, over time, you're just, you can't win with that. So I've gotten out of the military and I've gotten remarried and wife and I, we like to go to the casinos and we played that strategy. And just wasn't working. And one day I just, I don't remember if I was looking up on YouTube, but something about, you know, how to count cards. I tried to do it years ago and, and was never able to. And finally I was like, well, I'm going to start doing this. And I have a little bit of ADHD. And so when I jump into something, I jump in with both feet. And I bought probably every blackjack book on Amazon, devoured them all, started out with KO count, decided that you know, we were going to do that and finally do something about losing all the time. And so that's how I kind of got started in, in the blackjack life. And this was just kind of like, well, we're gambling already. Why don't we learn how to use a system that's going to be positive expectation? Is that, was that the thought? Yeah, it was the thought. And I'd never been to Vegas before. And so around that time I was using KO, uh, my wife, she didn't want anything to do with it. It was just one of my other side things that I'd started and I was going to quickly pass through, she thought. We went to Vegas, went away from the strip for the $5 tables. I think stations, you know, they all had $5 tables. And I remember uh, employing, I thought everybody was eyes on me. I thought everybody, you know, my gosh, you're going to find me out. And I went from a five to a $30 spread that trip and my darn hands were shaking with $30 out there. It was like, Oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, I think we won eight or $900 on that trip. We had a good, good variance. So, but it was a lot of fun. So came back home and discovered BJ and decided that I was going to practice more and switched over to the high low count then at that time. And, and up to that point, what was your favorite book? Oh, gosh. You know, I think some of my favorite books are like storytelling books, kind of like yours. I really enjoyed The Blackjack Life and Burning Tables in Las Vegas was really good and Blackjack Insiders. Those are probably some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been thinking about that, that the books that had the bigger impact, or I think we I just said this in a YouTube video that, I mean, I'm really thankful for Stanford Wong and like, the math books that laid it out there, but it really was the ones that that talked about it where I realized, oh, this is this is a bigger thing. This is a, a realer, a more real thing than than I had initially thought. So 
you got into Blackjack Apprenticeship, trained through that, went to high-low. And what was the plan? Just kind of like have a fun hobby on the side with card counting when when you were going to go to the casinos anyway? It was. And on that trip home from Vegas, my wife had asked me, she says, well, tell me about this card counting thing. You know, just explain it to me on the airplane home. And so I had a deck of cards and I explained things to her and she says, well, that ain't hard. And so she started doing it with me. We started training together. I built a blackjack table, bought an old Binion's felt off of eBay, and I built a blackjack table. And we practiced day in, day out. Double deck, we had not a lot of six deck at the time because double decks are so much better in our area. So we just practiced with each other, one would deal to the other person, get to the end of the shoe, count down the rest of the shoe, make sure your counts were good. And then uh, the other person would make sure, you know, we were doing the right plays and everything like that. So it was just lots of practice. We'd probably practice, what, two hours a night? At least. At least two hours a night, every night. And then go to the casinos on the weekends. So at the time, I was working four days a week at a nuclear power plant. Um, I'd been there for 15, 16 years by this time. And... Thursday through Sunday, we were in the casinos around our local area playing blackjack. Okay, I was going to ask that. So you had a full-time job, your wife had a full-time job, but you're rather than watching TV in the evenings, you're you're practicing blackjack in the evenings? Yes. That's awesome. So tell us more about what your practice routine, you did that for just dealing to each other. What else, you know, you probably went through the video course and, and that stuff, but uh, how did you feel like you were you were ready, or how did you train to get to the point where you were ready? One, just by testing each other out. You know, uh, we could test each other out, and two, the test out on BJA uh, was helpful. And at the time, I'd also bought in all of Wattenberger's programs. CV Blackjack was really helpful because you can practice CV with CV Blackjack on your own, just the same, and kind of with play chips, you know, and and so that. We also bought play chips for our table, actually casino-style chips, same weight and feel. So we we played with those when we did our practice. So it was kind of like the total real environment. We also threw the, as they talk about in the Blackjack, Sesame Street counting behind us, you know, to throw us off. Oh, yeah. So you played you played like Sesame Street counting songs in the background while while you're practicing. So you're hearing hearing numbers while trying to memorize or keep numbers ringing in your head at the same time. Exactly. And then you got to a point where you're passing your, like, I guess the BJA test out, but also the test outs you were giving each other. Did one of you progress way faster than the other, or was it pretty even? I think it was pretty even because we would swap through. We would play five or six shoes, and then the other person would play five or six shoes, you know, go through five or six shoes. And we'd keep swapping back and forth during our practice sessions. So it was kind of pretty even because we both tackled high-low pretty much at the same time frame. Okay. So then you got to a point where you were both passing the test outs regularly and decided to put together a bankroll or what what were those next steps? Yeah. And so at that point, we were playing with just some pocket change, you know, pocket money. We'd, We'd go take money out of the ATM when we went to the casino or whatnot and we made the decision and we took $25,000 loan from a 401k and said, you know, we're going to play $25 tables. We're going to play bigger stakes. So this is actually meaningful 
not the $5, you know, red chipping anymore. And so we did the loan, started playing, and like SD1, got slaughtered our first outgo. Oh, man. We lost almost 50% of the bankroll in the first three months of play. Were you over betting or it was just like a horrific run? Probably a little bit of both at some point. You know, in the early stages, you're overconfident. You think you're better than you are. But we would come home, we'd test each other out. We were still good. It's real easy just to say variance, but it could have been, you know, a number of factors. Well, I guess I meant over betting in terms of, you know, what was your risk? I mean, 50, 50% hit, you know, it happens, but it should be rare <laughs> unless your risk is high. Our risk was probably 5% at the time. Okay. It was a little yeah. high. I've played at 5% risk. And yeah, the swings, the upward swings are amazing. <laughs> the down swings can be pretty brutal too. Yeah. And it was it was amazing because it came to like this abrupt halt. And it was just like a hockey stick on the way up. Probably four months into the journey, uh, right before Christmas 2019, it just it swung the other direction just as fast as we lost it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the loan. I don't know about, I'm just curious, how does that work? You take a loan against a 401k or did you just take 25,000 out of your 401k? We took a loan out because in the end, you're paying yourself back the interest. You're not taking, it was a 5% loan, but it came out of my paycheck. So it actually went back into my 401k for my paycheck with added interest, but we're paying ourselves the interest. So it was a calculated Slightly negative EV, but because of the time we were making about eight to ten percent on the four hundred one k, so you know you took a little bit of ding on that side because you're not making as much on the interest. But the terms of the return in the blackjack actually made up for that. So okay, yeah, I, I usually tell people don't withdraw your retirement account. I didn't even know there's an option for a loan against your four hundred one k. But so four months in, it turns around. You know, it's going positive. Again, how much time were you guys getting in during this? Is it still Thursdays to Sundays? Thursdays through Sundays. Now, my wife worked at a retail selling shoes, and so sometimes her weekends weren't with ours, with mine. So we might go up to a casino on Tuesday night or something with her days off, and I'd drag my rear to work, tired, because we were out all night playing blackjack or something. So a lot of times I'd go by myself, or she might go by herself if I was working and she was off. So, I mean, we kind of just played when we could. How much were you guys maxing out at the beginning? At the beginning, we were actually using a pretty decent spread of one to six, usually maxing out 150, sometimes a little higher if the count was a little bit higher. If it like went up to a true eight or something, we might put out a little more. And how, how did you guys divide your you two uh, playing at the table together or separately? Or We did both. Sometimes we played, depend on the casino, at the time, we sometimes we'd play together. And the nice part about that was is you could wong out one hand. So it was like you were playing two hands at minimum bet on the tables for most counts. And then it's kind of unbelievable how the casinos don't see couples as threats in some aspects. If two guys sit down, two young guys sit down at the table together and start raising their bets, and it's seen as suspicious. But a middle-aged couple sitting down at the table they don't view us as much as a threat when we were playing separate tables he was getting backed off way more than i was and then when we started playing together again he miraculously was getting a lot more time 
So it was kind of strange how it worked out. Well, also, that's a good point that on double deck, you know, if you want to play two spots, you got to usually double the table minimum on each bet. So if it's a $25 table, if you want to play two spots, you got to start with two spots of 50. But if it's two of you, then you can go from two spots of 25 to two spots of, you know, whatever, 150 or whatever your your max bet was. Is that is that right? Yeah, we can. Nowadays, we're doing two by 25 to two by 200, two by 300 at our locals. For a big majority of our career, probably just until the last year, we did play a lot separate. And like like she said, I was getting backed off. And for some reason, I just let the women play sometimes. There was one incidence. We were both playing at the same table, but we sat down separately, so they didn't know we were a couple. And after a short amount of time, they come over and they countermeasured the table. And he played for another five or ten minutes, and then he, he got up and walked away. And then the pit boss comes over, and he's like, okay, go back to normal. And he's like, sorry, ladies, it doesn't normally take that long. And mind you, we're betting exactly the same. And it was just comical. I'm like, so they consider him a threat, but they just look completely over me. Wow. But So it's weird. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's like the, what they're expecting to see and and those kind of biases or prejudices are, are a big deal. But playing together, they kind of overlook both of you? Recently, yeah, we've gotten, last year, we got 480 hours at our locals and got countermeasured one time. We're from a state that you can't be backed off. You can only be countermeasured. That's probably going to give away pretty much where we're at. But we got countermeasured one time. And that was because I got overshot. I just bought in for another 500, threw it all out on the circle. And I think it was also because we both snapped Snap called a uh, insurance bet at the same time. Yeah. Because we had played at this place for a lot of hours with no no heat whatsoever. Another mistake we did that day when we looked back on it was we played in the middle of the afternoon with some really dead empty tables. And they just opened up a $50 table. And we both jumped on that. And I think they might have been looking at just that table a little harder. Just got caught. So with the... One to six spread, it must be pretty good double deck games to feel like the EV is good enough, the N0, all that stuff. I think it's the N0 is a little longer. We have some superb dealers that deal quarter deck pin, usually on some of these games between quarter deck and half deck pin. So we just seek those dealers out. That gets us that extra boost in our EV just because they're dealing so much deeper into the deck. Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, you know, lots of games, one to six, is not going to cut it. But if you're getting a double deck game down to half a deck or less, that's going to do it for you. Yeah, and mainly it's our locals that we play just that one to six spread because we're just trying to preserve them and keep them off of our, you know, because we can get a lot of hours in. The end zero is a little longer. But combining that with those dealers, then, you know, it makes for a little bit better for us. So what did it look like for Mrs. Flewster to quit the day job? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so right after COVID, when, you know, I went back to work, you know, a lot of things changed with COVID, new management and just new rules and 
I went back to work and was just miserable. I hated it. And I, you know, you get up every day and it's like, why am I going to work? I hate this place. And after six or seven months of that, Flusser was like, just quit. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I put my two weeks in that day and never looked back. One of the best decisions I think I ever made. <laughs> Where was your guys' bankroll at at that point? We were a little over 100,000. Okay. So from 25 to, to 100 over, how long did that take to grow it from 25 to 100K? A year? A year and a half at least. A year to a year and a half. You know, playing a couple times a week here and there. So At the same time, we'd also got into some other advantage play stuff at the casinos. As you guys know, that there's so much more there that they're not looking out for. And so those had a little bit higher EV. So once we learned those games, we were able to take advantage of them just a little bit more. Higher EV per hour or just something you could do kind of like get more hours in? A little bit higher EV per hour, but the opportunities weren't as often. Okay, cool. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's helpful to know. And you guys grew it to that 100K market, even with a couple of months shut down with, with COVID, that was pretty quick to grow it. Did you then like end the loan against the 401k we did end the loan against 401k finally got it taken care of we did that though after i quit my job okay well so so when did that happen or how did how did you decide to make that's a big deal that for neither of you to have like a real source of income a non-gambling source of income yeah it was a it was a tough decision i had him hauled around it we were playing every weekend, Thursday through Sunday. I was going to work Monday through Thursday, and I was burnt out a lot. Now, I'd worked in this industry and worked at this power plant for 18 years by this time. The thing was, is our weekend income was more than double what we were making at the power plant. So she'd seen how miserable I was, and she finally told me, you need to make a decision. You know, do you want to continue the gambling, or do you want to you know, work, but you're going to have to give up one of them. And I said, well, I'm just going to quit work because this we do together. It's something that we're, you know, we enjoy each other's time more than anything. Time also recently, new grandparents, we'd had, you know, one grandchild was two years old and we had another one on the way and just made the decision a lot either. I, I can spend a lot more time with them when we want, how we want, and we can do the blackjack and things full time but at our discretion. Yeah. How has that been? You know, I mean, I know there, there could be this thought of like, oh, I go full time. I've got free schedule, but there's travel. There's, you know, still a job. How how has it been? You know, has it been freed up your time to quit the day job, but be gambling full time? I would caution a lot of people because it is a grind. It does wear on you after a while of the travel because you burn out different casinos, different areas. When you have to play higher stakes, you have to you know lower that in zero down so that you can make your money. So the travel's a grind, but it's also in the same time a lot of fun. We're going to different areas. You know, we went to Southern California a while back. We've been to Biloxi, Vegas, of course, lots of times. We're yeah. taking a summer trip this, you know, we're planning. The freedom is what's awesome. But it's allowed me to pursue other things at the same time. So we can make even more money from home on the side 
doing some other things. So like taking money and using that for some day trading. We've also gotten into some real estate also. So Black Tech's allowed that freedom for us to do and pursue. I just think a better quality of life in a lot of aspects. So five or six years of this, and I think we're done. Have a brand new house paid for by the casinos and uh, then finally retire. Well, we don't need to get into your retirement plans, but you don't think you'll go back, I guess, to the day job? No. Nope. When you guys uh, lost that initial half half of your bankroll starting out, what was going through your mind then at that point? Were you just like, oh, this is normal, let's just press on, or were you having second thoughts about pursuing this? I had a lot of second thoughts about pursuing that. We doubled down on our practice, read more. It was a very big struggle to lose that kind of money because I came from no money, came from nothing. You know, I was working at eight years old throwing newspapers just to have money so that I could buy myself a bicycle because my parents didn't have the money. And so losing, you know, almost $12,000 in a few months was devastating. And so I, this doesn't work. It's a scam. Something's going on. You know, maybe we just got lucky in the start when we were just messing around. And so, yeah, to anybody that loses like that, it it can be a very mental challenge. What kind of convinced you to just keep going ahead? Like, what was like, was there a moment where you're like, you know, let's just go for it? You know, it's just because we just started winning again. You know, just the things just started to turn around. It was like, okay, you know, we came home one night with extra $500 or extra whatever. And it's like, okay. And then I watched my curve grow on our chart and things started straightening out, you know, and it's like, okay, the math does work. We are getting to where we're supposed to be in terms of EV. And so once we kind of figured out all that, things started clicking you know, you get more proficient at the tables, your act gets a little better. Now we have an act that's kind of looks stupid most of the time, probably to most people, but we have fun with it. How many hours would you say you've been able to play locally? Last year, we got 480 hours in. Of counting? Counting. And then more hours of, of other, I mean, it's not just counting that you're doing? No, it's not just counting that we're doing. I would say total play last year... We were a little over 1,600 total hours in the casinos between the two of us. So if you look at that, it's less than half of our normal full-time jobs because that's combined hours for the two of us, the 1,600. Yeah, there's the travel time too, all, all that stuff. I think it really does come back to what you're saying about the quality of life, you know, um, and that's a personal decision. You know, I'm not flying around the country in casinos because that's not the quality of life I want right now with, you know, young kids at home. But in your situation, even if it means travel hours, if it's if it's a higher quality of life than your guys' previous jobs, then it, it doesn't feel like as much of a grind as the alternative. Are you guys playing rated at these locals? So we don't play blackjack rated. So our philosophy when we go in is if we're doing other plays we can play rated if we play blackjack we don't do the other plays and we don't play rated so basically if we're in the casino we're either giving up our name solid or we're not giving up our name it's it's a catch-22 in a lot of aspects but the pit bosses never question us we're such a local face 
that when we play blackjack, they're like, oh yeah, that's right. You don't you don't play your card when you play blackjack. I'm sure that they know our name if they pieced a bunch of other stuff back together, but so far it's been working for us. How long are you playing sessions at these locals each time, would you say, at each place? It kind of varies. Sometimes most of the time we try to stay under an hour. We play for an hour. We've got four locals that we can bounce around for different shifts and different things. But other times, and it's a mindset that I work on, but you get stuck. You, you get into that first shoe and you lose, lose, lose. And then you're trying to chase the money back out and you end up being there for four hours trying to dig yourself out of a hole. Yeah. So if you're if you're losing, you're able to stay a little bit longer. When do you kind of limit yourself time-wise if you start winning? We always play the gambling superstition. We double up and we leave. That's how the pit looks at us. And they're like, oh, uh, we make a big announcement of it. Oh, we doubled up. Time to leave. Type things and they just eat it up. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. I like that. When you're playing locally, what are there other things that you're doing to help preserve your longevity? Yeah, between the her and I playing together, she can do a burden of the counting. And I can be yucking it up with the pit. I can be watching the ball game on the TV. I can be, you know, talking to everybody else. And all she has to do is pass our code word back to me for a count. I don't even have to look at the table. Sometimes I just I can count the chips in my hand and just kind of like I'm watching the game and just throw the chips out on the table because they for some reason, you know, they suspect the male of being the counter. I'm not looking like a counter at the table. She's counting. She's passing the counts to me. I'm watching the ball game. I'm yucking it up with the pit. I'm, you know, whatever. And that's gotten us a lot of time being able to play as a team in that aspect. I, I love that. It, it's playing into the, you know, most card counters are males. And so playing into that, it reminds me of the Highlanders when they they would have female sequencers in to the casino. The women are just the arm candy, but they're actually the ones that are doing all the mental gymnastics of sequencing while the, the men are just, you know, placing the bets according to the signals they're given. And, and you know, it again, it plays against. The casinos aren't thinking that, oh, the, the woman here is the, is the real mastermind in this situation. Yeah, and that's, you know, we play their superstitions against them. We also, on the road, we can play uh, Gorilla Big Player with the half-drunk husband coming up with his wife playing, you know, the minimum blackjack. And I can go up to the table and drop the two $500 bets and she'll be like, what are you doing? You know, and I'm like, I got this, I got this and play the half drunk husband. And she's chastising me for placing big bets. And the pits just like shake their head and just like, whatever, let, let, you know, let them do it. So I'll be playing, you know, a 50 cent slot where I can still see her and she can give me the signal to come in and I can just bring in some money and, and throw it on the table. So You've grown the bank. You had grown the bankroll as it continued to grow past that 100k mark. We've well surpassed that quite a few times over. We bought a toy a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> it was silly, but uh, we'd went out to California and we'd rented a Mustang convertible, and we came home and bought one, and walked into a dealership and uh, told him, you know, we kind of looked at it online. He told me they'd have it there. We walked in and. Decided we were going to buy it. And I said, I was going to pay cash. And he's like, okay. And I walked out to the car and 
brought fifty thousand in hundred dollar bills and threw it on his desk, and he about flipped when he saw. <laughs> and uh, he goes, "I didn't know you meant cash." Yeah, cash, 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 cash. So that's probably our most extravagant. But bankroll's grown to the point where, you know, if we quit today, our household expenses we could almost four years without even touching having any income. Congrats. That's that's awesome. Thanks. I want to take a quick moment and talk about the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership. If you haven't checked it out, you really don't know what you're missing. There is everything you need to train, find community, and get the tools you need as a card counter. There's a test out drill in the training suite. And if you aren't testing your skills regularly, you really shouldn't be playing a casino. There's an entire video course that covers the basics all the way to more advanced stuff like cover, team play, casino relations. There's betting software, a forum, a chat room with regional chat rooms to meet with local APs, as well as results tracking software and members only podcasts. So check it out at blackjackapprenticeship.com. Back to the, I had a question about some of your local play. How often do you guys get countermeasured or have you really gotten countermeasured that often at all? Or So prior to COVID, and I'd gotten countermeasured from most places because we were playing separate. So COVID allowed us to take a break. And at the same time, we started, we did travel to another area with casinos and we played up there for almost a year. And then when we came back to our locals, it was like they forgot about us, but we'd had our act together as a couple. And so when we came back, we just started playing as a couple. And well, once they dropped the mask mandate too, they didn't recognize him because he didn't have the mask on anymore. And that allowed him to get more time in. Interesting. It's like the opposite of most of us. The right. mask <laughs> us to get time in. <laughs> I'm surprised that casinos, this is kind of a side note, but it's like we can spot a counter half a mile away and any counter usually does. But for some reason, there's a lot of counters out there now that they come in the casino with their fanny pack slung across their chest and wearing a mask and they saunter right up to the blackjack table. And I look at her and I'll be like, watch that shoe. And, you know, (laughs) like clockwork. And it's like, how are the casinos not, you know, just immediately being on these guys. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there's just so many gamblers too. Like the, the flip side is how many straight gamblers casinos back off because they don't know any better. It's there's only so many resources a casino can put towards really detecting legit AP. And even those resources are probably too much because they're, they're probably spending more money to stop APs than APs are costing them. But that's my opinion. That's uh, not just my opinion. That's like Andy Yule, people that work on the casino side would say that too. But but I know what you mean. I actually talked with Andy Yule at the Cosmo one time. We spent about half hour talking about that. So, But I actually, you speaking of getting somebody backing off ploppies, I've actually got a ploppy backed off of a table in Suncoast. Oh, yeah. What happened was we were playing separate and I got backed off at Alante and I didn't realize Alante and Suncoast were both Boyd properties and that they flyered. And we went down to Suncoast and I sat down at a table and I started playing. And at the same time, this other young kid sat down next to me and started playing. Shoe was totally neutral. But after the first shoe, the pit boss comes over and she grabs this kid's chips and she throws them in the middle of the table. She goes, you're coloring up. 
we don't like the way you play blackjack. You can't play no more. And the kid's like, what did I do? And she goes, we just don't like the way you play blackjack and you're calling up and leaving. And he's like, but I play here all the time. And the pit's like, well, we don't like the way you play blackjack and it's our decision. About that time, the pit rings again, the phone rings again, and they call her over there and she goes over to the phone and she looks at the table and the look of horror on her face is absolutely <laughs> priceless. And she comes flying back over the table and she looks at the kids. She says, I'm so sorry, sweetie. I'm so sorry. It's not you. And she points and she goes, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kid didn't know what to do. He was beside himself. But uh, you could have saved that kid a lot of money if you would have left and never come back when, when he first was getting backed off. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was pretty funny. It just shows how I don't know. They're so fast just to back people off. Maybe or maybe it was true identity. You know, they just got the wrong person. Well, they're definitely fast to back back people off because I mean, I'm getting messages constantly from people who they're like, "Hey, I don't even know how to count, and I won a bunch and I got backed off." And it's like, dude, these casinos, yeah, cutting off their nose to spite their faces. But at this point. You guys, you're still locally betting up to two spots at two, three hundred. You're betting more. You were mentioning dropping two by five hundred. You betting any more on on your trips? We do bet more on the trips because we don't really care, you know, about preserving any of those. It's you know, hit and run, pretty much. Just go throw and fire at them, take the money if we, and, and then basically force them to back us off. It's like you know, catch us if you can. If it's an area that we plan on maybe playing for a few days, we might play light during the first part of the trip just to kind of get them used to us a little bit. And it seems to work with our couple routine. And then after that, it's fire away at them. What's your biggest win today? Biggest win today, probably together, we made about 6,500 one night. We kind of just quit at that point. We were like so excited that we were like, let's just leave. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. You guys have made multiple six figures, or it sounds like several hundred thousand dollars, but but not with the twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar session wins. It's it's a little bit more hit and run. Yeah, a lot of that has come from more advanced stuff that basically networking, you know, through BJA and things like that has gotten us things that you know are outside of card counting. Yep. But it's the networking, you know, it, it was the start, you know, the blackjack and the networking and BJA and meeting people and being friendly. You know, I like to talk to everybody. So I might find a way to talk to a counter, make some friends. Usually if somebody's coming into our area and I know I can get them rooms because we have so much comps in our local area. We had a group come in a few weeks ago. I got them all rooms for the weekend so they could play blackjack. So and that, in turn, gets you a lot more information, you know, on other other stuff coming back to you, where to play, how to play, stuff like that. So, yeah, for, you know, quite a few pros, card counting is the entrance into the whole world of AP. You know, people take different paths. But at this point, I wouldn't go pro. I wouldn't go full time if I'm not at least like getting into more than one way to get money out of a casino. There's there's the exceptions. There's there's the. You know, I, I don't need to say names. There are exceptions. They're just crushing, crushing straight blackjack tables. But uh, I, I totally get it. And it's the networking where you're going to get into some of these opportunities. 
And it is because there's some places that maybe they're not even on uh, Casino 411. The game is better than what's on there. Uh, but you'd learn that through networking, like, hey, they changed the rules or they changed something, something wasn't updated. You know, we try to update stuff when we can, but there's some games that are just so good, you don't want them being crushed by everybody um, and burning them out type things. So that's those are the kind of plays that you find through networking. When you guys are on the road, does your um, act with a husband and wife team act, does that work just as well as a back home or... Is it still pretty quick back offs? Like, does it only work at home because you're familiar faces or? It works pretty well. You know, it depends on the casinos, but in Vegas on the outskirts, Red Rock, uh, Green Valley Ranch, some of those properties, we've sat for four hours at the table just firing away at them and they haven't touched us. You know, um, we got almost an hour at El Cortez, both of us. <laughs> we were playing together and uh, the, Pit boss comes over and he was going to back us off, I think, but he looks down and he goes, Oh, wait, there's two of them. <laughs> and he goes, They left us in for another 15 minutes before they backed us off. So, and we were doing a 25 to 200 spread on their double deck um, at El Cortez and not holding anything back on them, really, and mirroring each other. A lot of times we do opposition betting where we'll, one of us might go down in a low count, you know, like Nathaniel Tilton in his book. States, you know, kind of do some of that opposition betting where it might go to a true four, but I might lower my bet. She might raise hers a little more. And the next one, it might go up to a true five. She drops her bet. My bet goes up a little bit. So as long as we're getting that money on the felt is where we're at. Yeah, I really like that approach because it you kind of play it off like, you know, oh, my hand's going to be the good one next round or her hand's going to be the good one next round. You know, you play off that. So that's a really good technique. And we've experimented with a play where if the count goes up and if you win your bet, you can go up. Now, like the first person, let's say I win my bet, I'll be the one that might ramp during that count where she'll stay pretty bottom in, maybe one to three, one to four spread, just kind of low. And then maybe the next count, if she gets the first hand, so it's kind of like it looks like you're chipping up on them and the other person's staying pretty much neutral, even though that count's rising. So they kind of throws them off. Nice. For those listening or watching, as long as you're calculating the cost of, of any of these forms of of cover, you know, it's there's a lot of things you can try and, and that I've done and uh, a lot of people have done. Just make sure you're calculating the cost of it. Exactly. Another thing that we always try to do, especially at our locals, is we don't have the chips on the table. We color up or have them color us up as we go. So we don't have a big pile of greens sitting in front of us. But as I stated before, they know our mantra is like we might buy in for 500 if we reach a 500 dollars, we make it a known ah, we're coloring up you know we doubled up it's time to leave and uh they know that's how we play so some pit bosses will be like well it looks like you doubled are you ready to leave yep and we're either they know and they don't care because we're not just burning them down or they just truly don't understand what's going on what has it been like just on the marriage <laughs> traveling you know like is that is it like, hey, couples that AP together stay together? Or is it like, uh, oh, that's stressful on, on the marriage or a little bit of both? You know, she's my best friend. And this is something we both really enjoy doing. And we just have a blast. We share responsibilities. A lot of it is I'm responsible for, you know, making sure we have the hotels and the, the trips planned and all that. 
she does the back end side of things, you know, making sure the suitcases are packed, the laundry's ready, you know, we just make a great team. So as long as you're doing it with your best friend, I don't think that it, and doing something you both really like doing, it's really not a problem at all. That does seem like a big part of it is, is the alignment of goals and values. It, it, see, I, you know, on the forum, there'll be discussions and sometimes it's like, oh, my significant other isn't really into it. It's like, well, that's not going to work. But if you can get your significant other into it, the opportunities for a couple, especially middle-aged couple playing together, you can, looks like somebody that has more of the opportunity to be putting bigger money out on the table. You know, a young kid that's throwing out big money kind of gets that suspicion a lot earlier. And I feel bad for those guys that have to dodge all that kind of things. We don't get ID going in the casino. We walk right in. We walk right past the line of kids getting ID. So it's just so much easier being the middle aged. You know, we're both in our 50s, so we can just run through it. I'm sure I've said this before, but when I got into card counting, I read Burning the Tables in Las Vegas. And I think I read, like whatever it's called, a casino guide to surveillance or something like that. And he's talking about basically, you know, young people stand out more. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'll put this card counting thing on pause till I'm in my 50s or 60s. And I thought that for like three seconds. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> like, you know, who knows if card counting is going to be around, you know, I'm glad I, I haven't been waiting the last uh, 20 years and waiting another, another 20, but, uh, but there are definitely are the the benefits of looking the age where you would have the money. If you're younger, you just got to deal with it, you know, and do the best you can. Yeah. It's definitely a, been a fun trip for us, fun journey for us in the last few years for this. Awesome. Anything else you want to share, share with, uh, with us before we're done? Any other words of wisdom or, or stories you want to get off your chest? Not a lot that I haven't posted in the forums, but I remember one story that I had where I'd been countermeasured and I went out on the main floor and I, I know after being countermeasured or being backed off, you should try to remain anonymous as you can and get out of there. But at this point, I went out on the main floor and there was a guy that was so drunk that he was betting two hands of 2,500 and there was an open seat on the third base. Now, the worst I can do is countermeasure us. So long story short, um, I sat down and they were too worried about my 25 to 150 spread, totally ignoring this guy betting two spots at 2,500, so drunk that he could barely read his cards. Oh my and gosh. at one point he started, I was, I had super good variants. They actually tried to cut the deck in half, but not quite. That was their first attempt, but they still kind of wanted to, to appease him. He started asking me for advice one time and the pit was, yelling at me that I couldn't help him. Like, you can't help him. You can't tell him how to play his hand. And there was three pit bosses at the table and made one patron so uncomfortable that she says, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to be around this. And she left. And so finally they countermeasured to the point they were only going to deal two hands. And the guy is like, what's going on? And I said, well, I'll tell you what's happening. I said, you're winning too much and they don't like you winning. So they kind of cut that. So you can't win no more. And he got so mad and the pit went out of their way. trying, No, no, no. And they, and he goes, I said, well, Ameristar lets you play. 
all you want. And he starts <laughs> gathering his chips up. I said, I'll drive you there if you want me to. And he's like, yeah, let's go. Screw oh my God. This place. You know, we're done. And he's putting his chips in his shirt and they're falling all over him. No, no, no. Come back and play. And he's like, no, you won't let me win. And he probably had 65, 70,000 in purples and stuff in front of him. And he walked out the door. I've never seen him back in that place. Wow. And their EV on his two hands by far outdid my expected value. They should have been dealing as deep as they could and as fast as they could and let me play whatever I wanted to. Dude, I mean, that's so that's I love that story because that's, you know, a a really clear example of what casinos do all the time. Casinos give bad deck penetration to every gambler and it's costing them money because they want to keep these few card counters from winning money. But your story is is like such a clear, obvious example of it. But they're doing this constantly because they're so afraid of us, the 0.1% that can actually beat them, that they're costing themselves fortunes to keep from losing uh, smaller amounts to us. But that's, what are you going to do? That's on them. They want to make a bad business decision, I guess, you know, but it, it is funny how at the time, I mean, that spread with that cut that they were giving me was only $46 an hour EV with a probably 160 hour in zero. And so his was probably $50 per hand EV, you know, with two hands out there. So yeah, they cut off their nose to spite their face. Yep. Well, that's great. Uh, Joe, did you have any, any last questions? Yeah, I mean, just like um, being now that you've been full time for over a year now, is there anything that you kind of miss about your old job or are you just 100 percent like all in on advantage play full time? I miss the people I worked with. I don't miss the industry. I don't miss the pace that we had to maintain and the requirements that we were put upon us. This has allowed us so much more freedom, so much. I can do what I want. Um, I don't have to ask a boss, if I can take a week's vacation, I don't have to ask or call in. If I call in sick, you know, it's my wife. I'm just like, I'm not going anywhere today. I don't feel good. If I'm feeling burnout, like this next two weeks, we're going to work this weekend. And then I'm taking two weeks off. She's not, but I've just been kind of burnt out lately. And so I'm just like, I need two weeks out in the wood shop. I'm going to go, you know, make some stuff, taking some time off and, you know, realign myself before we take a big trip. So that's the freedom that I like to do. I'm going to go visit my mom, uh, work on her house a little bit and some other things like that. So it's just kind of a the total freedom versus being the slave to a J-O-B. It's not for everybody, though, because this is, you know, there are a lot of times when you're, we went last year, May to June, we went on a $40,000 downswing. You know, not many places you can work for two months and lose $40,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that will test your metal. But if you got the attitude and the fortitude and the bankroll to support you, don't don't quit without at least a year or two in your bank account because this job can be brutal. Yeah, we just did, I just did a video on, you know, how I would go about full-time at this point, you know, if, if I were to start now, how would I go full time and and yeah, definitely work towards it, quit the job at only when it makes complete sense. And I would have given that same advice 20 years ago, but I, I have no regrets about full time 
advantage play, but it's it's really not for not for everyone. On another note, I was five years from my full pension and walked away. Wow. So I'll still get a pension. I just won't get my full pension. But uh, the money we're making, the extra AV that we're making now far outweighs what I would have made extra in my pension every month. So Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, if people want to want to read some of your other stories, they can read those on the forum, it sounds like. And, and uh, we'll, we'll see you on the BJ forum. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Joe748, uh, why don't you see if you can get an hour in El Cortez? Yeah, <laughs> right in there right now. And we'll catch, uh, if you guys want to learn more about Card Canning Advantage Play and, uh, you know, beating casinos for real money, check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. 